0: Empire of the Sun. Suns.
1: Sons. Empire of the Suns. Wet
0: like on book, Wet like on book, Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns.
1: Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, not. Joined, as always, by Kevin Zimmerman. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant played so well in the Game 3 win that Kevin's immune system needed to fight back and shut down briefly. Uh, He is going through a bit of a stomach flu situation, so he's unable to join us. Luckily, I texted my pal, my good bud, Luke Lipinski of the Wolf and Luke Show. And Luke's here. Luke, this is great timing because you've got the classic two two games happening before the next show. So I get, your, I get your fresh game three takes here. Hello.
0: Yeah, this is pretty much perfect. We were talking about this yesterday actually at the game, and Kevin was there. We were like, okay, wait all week for a game to actually happen, and now they're going to play two this weekend before we can even react to either one of them. So this is actually a gift to me, Kellen. So thank you.
1: Yay. Thank you so much for being here, bud. Uh, let's get <laughs> into it. So the Suns won the game. They, they won the basketball game. Very important. They would have gone down three. Uh, 3-0, and we all know the statistics there. They would have been pretty much screwed. They're in a tough spot being down 2-0, not entirely out of it. But they win this game 121-114, the latest Devin Booker masterclass this postseason. A couple postseasons ago, he's got quite the resume going. 47.6 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, a block, 3 turnovers, 20 of 25 from the field. Luke, he was 15 of 17 on his twos? What? <laughs> Like Even for him, that's nuts. Uh, Kevin Durant, 39 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, zero turnovers, two blocks. He was 12 of 31, so he missed 19 shots still, so it wasn't quite the Kevin Durant we were expecting. But with that in mind, he was persistent. He was insistent on scoring, and he did so by getting to the foul line. Pretty much the entire game, he had their only free throws. He was 14 of 16. Booker unfortunately ruined what would have been a really cool stat by getting fouled with five seconds left, where he would have set the new playoff record for most points without a free throw. Uh he was at 45 at one point, the record was 39, but that record will have to hold. I don't how how were you reacting going into this one, Luke? I know, I know must-win was the was the phrase thrown around, but I think there were ways in which the team could win and people could still not be confident, or were you just in the mindset of they need to win this game no matter how it went and just how you, how effective you thought they were in the win
0: yeah i mean i, I think for the purposes of surviving the series it was the second part of that you know just win the game get through it and then pick up the pieces today before uh, tomorrow's game You know, is it sustainable for Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to get you 86 points and you win a championship? I don't know. I have more questions now than I did at the start of the playoffs in terms of winning a championship. But I I certainly think they can win the series. I mean, I still I think a lot of us still thought it going into the game last night. Obviously, they had to win last night. Booker delivers that virtuoso performance. He's done that a few times now. I don't know about you, Kellen. I almost think Kevin Durant's stat line is more ridiculous than Booker's just because KD couldn't hit a shot and somehow he was within eight points of Devin Booker by the
1: end of the night. <laughs> that that's the crazy one to me. Yeah, Booker took 25 shots. Durant missed 19, and he wound up within eight points of him. It's pretty, pretty bizarre and pretty <laughs> hard to believe. And this this game really just came down to those two because there was a point. Uh, in terms of how the whole game went, so Booker scores 18 points in the first quarter, and it was the most important 18 points for him this this season. Now, if the Suns go on to make the NBA Finals, win a championship, whatever it is, right, we'll look back on this as the most eight, important 18 points of his career because no one else really had it going. The jitters for a new group are just the um, the difficult task ahead of like, okay, we're going to play faster with campaign who's starting. We're going to play with pace, but not doing it in a way where you're, you're in a controlled state. Like, you have to be desperate but controlled. That's the way that I wrote it. And they were able to do it after the first quarter, but Booker needed to have those 18 points or else Denver, who came in really poised, would have ran away with this. They go on that huge 19-3 to run in the second quarter, which was more or less Devin Booker and Kevin Durant being awesome again, but a lot of impact uh, contributions, impactful contributions from the bench guys who we'll get to later on in the episode. But then the third quarter comes out, Luke, and Denver tweaks everything defensively, and they're like, okay, if you want to do the two-on-five thing, go ahead. We're going to send two or three bodies at you. We're going to force you to pass to the other guys when we can. And more importantly, Denver was starting to score on the other end. And it looked like the game was turning, but Denver was just so worn down. Luke, did you get the same sense that I did that by the fourth quarter, they just didn't have enough gas left? Yeah,
0: and I think at a certain point, you know, give Denver credit for making that run in the third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm sure at some point they thought maybe Devin Booker would stop hitting shots. You know, it's you never want to boil a game down to one guy. But when he when he puts up the numbers that you mentioned and he does it on 20 of 25 shooting, I, I give Denver credit, like I said, for getting back in the game and sort of waiting for the Suns to crack. And, you know, Booker was in foul trouble, obviously, with the five fouls. But he just never wavered, and KD kept getting to the free throw line. And yeah, I feel like the Suns. You know, <laughs> you said this the other day on our show. I, I think Monty Williams is taking a lot of undue criticism in this series in particular. He hasn't been perfect, but I feel like he's made some pretty good adjustments. Uh, certainly after Game One, and even uh, even in Game Three.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What I wrote about today on the site for previewing game four is essentially my, I I made a big, I made a grand declaration, Luke, I did the big take thing, not a hot Uh take necessarily, but a declaration. And I basically said, we now know how the Suns can win this series, because I think a lot of us were like, okay, let's see if they can win one of these two games without Chris Paul, it seems like they're pretty screwed, however you want to put it, like Kevin and I, were not gloomy after game two, but we were just discussing how myself personally being in the building in Denver, it felt like a monumental moment was happening in terms yeah. of just the, the um trajectory of the team, not only in that moment, but going forward. Like was this was this going to be it for this specific team? Like it, it just felt like a huge moment. So just looking back and zooming out out on the game, I don't know if I expected to come out of this game thinking like, oh, this is how they can win the rest of the series. And people are going to think that my most obvious answer is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker combined for 86 points every game. No, it's not that. It's the fact that guys like TJ Warren, guys, yes, Luke, like Landry Shammett even though what? he's getting booed now every time he touches the ball or checks into the game, uh, <laughs> guys like Jock Landale, guys like Terrence Ross, guys like Campaign were just booking it everywhere. They were energy and effort was everywhere from those guys. And I included in the preview and tweeted out some clips of just these guys working defensively for loose balls. Landale sprinting up the floor to open a lane, campaign pushing it in transition. They just wore down the nuggets. And this is everything that I talked about with you. We might have been talking about this for so long, Luke, we talked about it on the rundown as opposed to Wolf and Luke, where <laughs> the the wear down effect is back. That was the first time I've seen them in a playoff game this year, or the first time I've seen them in a game, maybe even this season, where the wear down effect of mid third quarter, Jamal Murray, late third quarter, sorry. Jamal Murray is telling Mike, Michael Malone, like, I need a timeout. Like, I And then he's like hands on knees, like panting. And then midway through the fourth quarter, same thing again. He, he looked exhausted. And a lot of those Nuggets players looked really tired. And that is what we've seen the Suns through Devin Booker's play mostly in the tone that he sets achieve. And if they're able to do that, Luke, look, do they need... 75 to 80 points a game from those two guys I I guess probably that's but if they knock down a couple of more threes and more importantly, if all those guys and we're going to get to eight and later are playing that hard and wearing down the nuggets game after game, they can easily win this series.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. I think I think you said it right there. There's a path to seeing how this would work. And and 86 points from from those guys every night, is that sustainable for a playoff run to win a title? I you know, <laughs> that's a different conversation. But can you win three more games in the series? It's a lot to ask. And Booker's probably not going to shoot 80% every game, although who knows with him. But you also figure Kevin Durant's going to start hitting some shots too, and and not, you know, shooting about 33, 35% from the field. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic both, I mean, they had good numbers last night. So it, it's not It's not like those two guys both had bad games and your path to success hinges on one of them or both of them having bad games. Like it kind of felt like after game two, uh, they both got their points. The Suns in any given game could have the two most productive players out there and they did last night. And, and to your point, you had other guys contributing. You didn't have Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton did not have a good game but you had a bunch of other guys just play relentless basketball. And I know the old saying is that role players play better at home. And we did see that last night, but if they can just keep doing that for the home games and put it together for one road game, you know, there's a path. It doesn't guarantee anything, but 24 hours ago, I think a lot of people were ready to write the suns off. And now you can see a realistic way they win the series.
1: Absolutely. And this is a game where I understand that Denver played its worst game of the series so far, but My goodness, Luke, they got 30, 17, and 17 out of Nikola Jokic. That third quarter was masterful. He was amazing. Jamal Murray was the guy for three quarters. Like I said, he really wore down. I think he was one of eight in the fourth quarter. But he had 32 points, six rebounds, five assists. They got 21 and 12 out of Michael Porter Jr. They had 16 offensive rebounds. They had 27 assists, all the little stuff in the margin, points off turnover, second chance points, things like that. I believe they came out ahead on, and they still lost this game. And I, I understand 90% of it comes down to the way that Booker and Durant play, and I really do get that, but I think the, the Suns obviously do not win this game if they don't get the energy and effort from those kinds of guys. And shouts out to Money Williams. I know a lot of fans are clamoring and saying it's five games too late for some of these guys to play, but it was a difficult decision to play guys like T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross with what they had shown defensively in the last month of the season. I thought T.J. came out and played really good defense. I thought that Ross did okay and didn't really get picked on in the way that I expected And then for him to just trust those guys and go with those guys, Torrey Craig and Josh Okogi have been the fifth and sixth most reliable players in this new uh, Kevin Durant team. And Craig played three minutes and Okoge played ten, and it was the right decision. I think Monty pulled just a lot of strings here successfully, and just what they were able to achieve both offensively and defensively for the second straight game was another step in the right direction. I just think that he's starting to – Luke, can I say it? Is he starting to out coach Michael Malone? Oh, I don't even know if that's oh, allowed. Oh, whoa. Are Marty hater is going to gonna let me say that out loud for a series? <laughs> whoa. I know we're three games in. There's a long way to go, but he's, he's like pushing all the right buttons right now. We have to say it. Campaign in there for pace. Beautiful. Yes. He is. You know, I- it's easy to look at Monty and say, oh, he's getting outcoached last year
0: against Willie Green or even against Jason Kidd, certainly. And so then that carries over to this year in the first round. And you say, oh, OK, Ty Lue. well, Ty out outcoaches most guys. And the Suns did win that series in five games. So it's not like Monty was lost. I agree with you so far in this series, you know Denver came out and if if the series was if the first game was indicative of the whole series, the suns were in trouble because it wasn't just the loss, it was how much better the the nuggets looked than the suns and in each game since then, the two games, the suns have looked better and better. What was tough about losing game two is it felt like that was a game you you should have won, and so it feels like if you're going to win the series, you almost won five out of seven to do it but At the same time, that was Monty Williams making considerable adjustments, and he knew Denver was going to push back last night, and they did. Jamal Murray was good, but, you know. Aaron Gordon didn't have a very good game and he's been a difference maker in this series. And I'm not saying that was all Monty Williams, but the fact that the Suns were willing to take the risk and throw some different looks at the nuggets. And like you said, get away with it on the defensive end a little bit. I know there was one play where everybody cleared out to the right side of the floor and it was just Jamal Murray against Terrence Ross. I believe like everybody, like, it's like they all left the arena for a second just to let those <laughs> two go one-on-one, but the Suns
1: never got burned by it. And so you, you have to give the coach credit in a case like this. And to this point, and just to kind of wrap up on the rotation here, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous thought process to kind of put in the guy known for offense, as opposed to putting the guy in for defense. And then in that moment that TJ Warren had in the fourth quarter, where he gets set up in the same corner, three possessions in a row, it's like, okay, is he going to make two out of three of those shots or all three, as opposed to Tory Craig or Josh Akogi? Like, of course, you'd rather have the offensive minded player like TJ in that position But it's such a tiny amount of the game that they get to actually impact in that kind of way as an offensive player, where it can kind of just get in different directions. But the most important thing and the thing we've seen from from Book and this team time after time is that they are going to continue to trust their teammates. Book trusts his teammates endlessly. I think there's a lot of different situations where he could be frustrated or look to say, hey, I've got 40 plus right now a double teamed fade away over me. That's lightly contested. I'll take that any day of the week over kicking it out to the guy who shoots 30% from the corners. Like, no, he's not going to do that. He's going to trust his teammates take and make the right basketball play. That's what he always says a lot. One of his go-to answers after games is just like, I want to go out there and just try and make the right play every time. And the right play was to kicking it to TJ Warren. He misses the first one. Guess what? Tony buckets, the ball's coming right back to you. He hits the second three, the ball comes over to him again, pump fake, midi. And and that was pretty much the key stretch of the game. So just huge props to TJ Warren for being in a position like this, where he plays 26 minutes after hardly being involved in the rotation at all to hit two of the bigger shots in the game. He made some key defensive plays as well. He had a block and I believe a steal uh, as well. And I talked about Jamal Murray getting worn down. Again, the haters are going to be upset, Luke. Landry Shaman had a lot to do with it. Uh, Josh Akogi did not have a good start on Jamal Murray. And I think that's part of why he didn't play that much. And it's mostly why it played. Now, look, I get Murray got the better of him and Murray is getting the better of him overall, but Landry is making him work for it. And at the very least, that is that is valuable. But then there were a couple of positions where he was getting the better of Murray. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. Jamal Murray was gassed by the mid third quarter. He was just completely worn out and these teams had three or four days off. So it just speaks to the amount of pace that they were playing with. And then also, uh, we talk about uh, threes going from game one to game two, right, Luke? Just they got to take more threes. You know what helps? Terrence Ross being out there, baby. He got six up in 14 minutes. He's gonna, <laughs> He is going to let them fly, and that's something that uh, Kevin talked about after the game. Kevin Durant talked about after the game when he was rolling through the role players. It was like, yeah, Terrence was two for six, one of six from, or two of seven, one of six from three, but those are good looks, and we need him to shoot those. Like, they need guys on the floor who are going to take those shots every single time. There were two or three of them in Terrence Ross style where they were lightly to heavily contested and some guys wouldn't shoot those, but he's shooting them. And that's why exactly why he's out there uh, on the floor. Uh, We have gone a pretty long time here, Luke, without talking about one of the biggest storylines of the game. That is DeAndre Ayton. Uh, DeAndre, man, he uh, he had a rough game and it is, I, I don't, I'm not surprised by anything with him at this point. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in a positive way. Like I wouldn't have guessed that I was writing like declarative things after the 2021 regular season where I was like, man, if DeAndre kind of looks like this in the postseason, they're going to have to answer some questions this offseason about his future here. And then he goes out and plays an unbelievable run. Right. And now those questions are starting to kind of come up again. Two years later, we don't really have to talk about it like that, of course, but For him to come out and just have another one of those typical DeAndre games where he's disconnected, the lack of aggression, the lack of force, whatever you want to call it, in a must-win game. If they lose this game, their season is effectively over. And for him to play like that, especially defensively, I thought defensively it was one of the worst games I've seen him play in a couple of years. Uh, For it to come in game three when they're down 2-0 was rough, and it led to the point where – Jock Landale finished the game in the last five minutes. You have joined me, Luke, on this um this ride of covering the Suns for the last couple of years, where you're going on the radio reacting after every game. And you've watched these games where there's been 12, 15, 20, 30, however many over the last three years where the reserve is playing with more energy, his backup is there and more engaged, but Monty sticks with him because Monty wants to keep that confidence with him. But he reached a point in this game where he, he had to play Landale and, and there are certain moments where he's had to play the guy, but he has not, which is why I didn't expect it to happen still. And then Landale got up and he came in the game. It, it was, it was shocking. Yeah. And, and you know, there was, a, there was a point
0: and, you know, everybody's seen the video and certainly if you're in the arena, DA wasn't happy. I mean, he essentially got benched late in this game, uh, but they had to win, you know, and it, that's gotta be a tough thing as a coach. To, to look at your guy and be like, look, man, I, I know you think you're dominating. I know you think you're this and that and the Tesla battery and all that stuff. And on some nights you are huge for this team. But last night in particular, game three, they had to win and, honestly it wasn't even that tough of a judgment call to figure out which one was giving them a better chance between jock landale and da specifically in game three and he went with them and i don't know what the ramifications are going to be beyond this you know da is when you think you have him figured out he does the exact opposite i mean i think he's a really good dude but he was obviously frustrated last night and he has the right to be frustrated but it's you know how does he carry that now going forward into game four because you don't want to give off the impression that you're mad at your teammates because you weren't making plays um will we'll have to see where that goes, but, but they, they had to find a way to get a win last night. And, and DA had chances. He played 26 minutes, but at the end of the game, it was, it was pretty clear. He wasn't giving them the best chance. And you can't waste a 47 point effort from Devin Booker just to make sure everybody feels good about themselves. You had to win the game. Now there's more games for guys to earn opportunities to feel good about themselves. I mean, it was the right move. We just, DA, man, like you've covered this team for a while, Kellen. He's, he's gotta be the most polarizing son certainly that you've ever covered. And I I have to wonder if he's the most polarizing son of all time, because you could go talk to a hundred Suns fans after that game and 50 are going to tell you he's getting a raw deal and they need to run the offense through him. And 50 are going to tell
1: you they'd be up three Oh in the series, if it wasn't for him, or they'd already have a title or something. I'd go as far as saying like Valley history in general, he's one of the most polarizing for sure. Without a doubt, it's the son he's got to be, um, I, it just reached this point where Jamal Murray had stuffed him two or three times at the rim. Um, on a weak side rotation. And that's just where you're not only letting Denver get what it wants out of that situation, but you're also just giving Denver momentum and you're just not getting enough out of the play. And it's just like, it's a bad look. It's all these kinds of things that come to a head. And then he comes out with with the thing on the bench. If you didn't see the video, uh, Deandre went to the coaches huddle, which is separate from the huddle at the start of like a timeout or whatever. And it looked like he wanted to get clarification that he was coming out. He was, Chris Paul gave him like a tap to make sure he was good and then extended his head, hand for like another dap. DeAndre didn't reciprocate it, by the way. Huge teammate move by Sabin Lee. I don't know if you've rewatched the video, Luke, but Sabin <laughs> Lee immediately comes in there and daps up Chris Paul to make sure he yep. doesn't get left hanging. Great <laughs> teammate stuff from Sabin Lee, always locked in over there. Why do you say he- that?
0: That that was like the first thing I noticed because Chris Paul, he tries to give him like the high five twice and DA blows him off both times and Saban Lee's like, I got this. We're good. We're gonna stay, <laughs> we're gonna stay unified as a team.
1: It's all good. Yeah, so De- uh, DeAndre goes to the end of the bench, uh is frustrated over there. A couple of teammates come over to try and calm him down. It was a bad moment and guys have bad moments. Like we we have seen those types of moments out of many basketball players before. This is not a unique thing to DeAndre and it certainly does not paint him to be a bad teammate. Leave it to Twitter, Luke to overreact to one video and let that paint people or make people's perception of DeAndre be that he's a bad teammate and doesn't care about his teammates and he's quit on the team and all this kind of stuff. As Jock Landale uh, passionately, dare I say, Luke, vented, ranted, whatever you want to say about it uh, after practice today. Uh has always been a great teammate. He's always been extremely supportive on the bench. He was later going over to Landale and pointing out things and, and Landale told us it was like the intricacies of Jokic's game because Man, DeAndre spent hundreds of, hundreds of minutes at this point guarding Nikola Jokic and Landale was like, yeah, it's my first time ever guarding him. So you can imagine the help and assistance that D.A. could provide. He did provide a little bit there. D.A.'s always been great about that stuff. But. To that point and to that end, at a certain point, his energy and engagement just has to be at least consistent enough to like reach a certain threshold. And it gets in this dangerous cycle, Luke, where. If he plays well in game four and he starts running the floor and crashing the offensive glass, now we feel like we have to give him a lot of credit for doing that, when it should just be a prerequisite because of how topsy-turvy the conversation gets around him. So the bottom line is, again, I I said I was getting declarative in my preview that's up on the site now. I I got even further and I said Sunday's the most important game of his career. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is this conversation that you and i have been having back uh, back on the rundown we were talking about this stuff like 4 or 5 years ago it has now gone mainstream and it's now in the national and like international audience like these clips um the one of him standing there when jokic was tapping it around after game 1 This one now after game three, and then just the audience, um, the crowd reacting the way that they do after every one of these moments now. And then also the broadcast, like I rewatched the game this morning and ESPN, like Richard Jefferson, JJ Reddick, Ryan Rocco, like they're pointing out the moments every time they happen now, because they just stick out like a sore thumb once you realize they're there. So now it's going to be on DeAndre to show how he's going to respond to this moment. He got benched at the end of a playoff game, rightfully so, for the way that he was playing and the way that he was, it, it it's one of those things where this will get characterized. Luke is like, oh, he got benched for a bad game and he has a bad night. Guys have bad shooting nights, but he's just not, it's, it's just about the effort and the engagement. It all comes back to the connectivity and all that kind of stuff. And if that's not there, that's just inexcusable. And, and it's been inexcusable for far too long with him, but it's just happening now in the playoffs. It did not happen as much in the playoffs a year ago. It certainly did not happen in the playoffs two years ago, but now it's happening on the biggest stage and everyone's watching him. So it, it's a huge moment for him. For his career as a whole, to show that he is not that guy, at least in the postseason, like at least when he can still hold the claim as a guy who really steps up in the postseason, because right now he really can't with the way that he's performed so far. So I think Sunday is a is a huge game for him. And to go back to everything I was talking about, Luke, to end my spiel here, I'm saying like effort engagement is the key to the whole series. He's the guy who's got to do it. So if he does it, the Suns are in a really good position to win this series still. If he doesn't do it, they can't win this series. They just can't.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, he gets he gets game four and five and you know, ideally beyond to to sort of redeem himself for lack of a better word. But, you know, the effort is it's it's what makes DA so frustrating because going back to your point on if he goes out there and has a a monster game four, you look at it and you're like, Yeah, I mean, we all knew he could do this. And, And that's that's the difference between a guy that you you watch play and you're like, I think he could be better we've seen DA be better. And for the most part, it's usually just effort. And so you watch a game like last night and you're like, okay, that's fixable. Like this, the best thing about last night for DA is it's fixable. But the frustrating thing is we're now what five years into this and it's not consistently fixed. And and to your point, this is not, Kevin Durant, who usually makes a bunch of shots, missing a bunch of shots for the last two games, and okay, that's frustrating, but the guy's trying, and he's finding other ways to get to the free throw line or get points or whatever. With DA, it's like, all right, man, the, the thing that's not working, you could fix, and so I, I'm, I'm interested, certainly, to see how he responds uh, for Game 4, because... You're right. If he doesn't respond well, I don't know that they can win. They can win the series, but they can't go as far as where they are ultimately set up to go. And, and quite frankly, the way Devin Booker is playing uh, like like they should go without DeAndre Ayton giving them a lot more efforts like we saw, at least in game two and, and really more like we saw two years ago in the playoffs, because you know, to your point also on the, on the national media is really picking up on this now. People are seeing it. You're a max player. You're going to get more scrutiny, and that's that comes with the money. But as long as you're playing well in the playoffs, most of the national media is not going to care what you did on a February Tuesday night against Minnesota or whatever. They care what you do when there's eight teams left and you're playing against Nicole Jokic.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. And it, it's just – I can't emphasize this enough. I think it's a really important moment in his career because after the thing happened with game one and how that led to – Shaquille O'Neal, who is one of the two, three, four best centers ever to live, um, calls him out on inside the NBA and says, like, I'm watching you in game two, big fella, like I'm watching you and we used to hear Shaq and Chuck and all those guys talk about eating all the time um because inside the nba is the greatest nba show uh, nba content that exists on planet earth and it always will be the way that they typically had those conversations were about like oh they got to feed the big fella get him his touches he should have 25 and 20 all this kind of stuff and now their conversation is now more shifted where Shaq is like i want to see how hard you're working and it's it's crazy to kind of see all of these conversations we've had locally for so many years now come to life in this kind of way and You're right on the max money point. I mean, that's kind of, we're kind of overshooting this. The fact that they got four points and nine rebounds in 26 minutes on two of six shooting from their max center is is like, that's the point enough, right? Like we can can just dance around. Sometimes we say it's not all about the box score, but the box score for him, at least certainly did paint the picture here. Uh, One more thing that I wanted to point out here in, in terms of looking ahead to game four, we were talking about how effective the uh, the top like six or seven guys were for Denver, right, Luke? You guys were talking about that on your show a lot. Uh, Aaron Gordon, three for 13 in this game. KCP only got four shots up, and he was one of four. And then Bruce Brown was still heavily involved in the offense, but he was four of 11 from the field, and he was minus 14 when he was on the court. Jamal Murray was plus five. And, Luke, they're kind of dealing with the situation the Suns are where they don't have a ton of ball handlers. And that's that's fine because you have Nikola Jokic, who's the best playmaker on planet Earth right now, but you still need a couple of ball handlers. And Bruce Brown is the next ball handler up up after Jamal Murray, and then that's really it. So if you're able to win more decisively those moments when Murray is off and Brown is on, that is when you can really shift this series. And I don't know if this was just a really big off night for Denver supporting cast or we're starting to see – more of the inconsistencies that can come from them as opposed to the five, six, seven guys playing well every night. We're going to, we're going to learn here soon enough, which is, which is the case, right?
0: Well, yeah. And Aaron Gordon is, is really so far as he has gone, is how the series has gone. I'm sure you saw the story in the Denver Post this week, calling him the the dragon slayer in the NBA. And you know, they're over, they're over uh, hyping it a little bit, but he's been huge in this series. And he wasn't last night and I know he got into foul trouble a little bit in the first half, but I mean, he still ended up playing 39 minutes. He just, his defense has been good. I tend to believe, and I think you actually said this on our show this week. And, and, and if you did all the credit in the world to you, and if you didn't, then you're going to get credit for what somebody else said, but you don't really (laughs) You don't defend Kevin Durant like you do the best you can. But if KD's missing shots, it's just because KD's missing shots. So what's been impressive to me about Aaron Gordon is what he has also contributed offensively while still expending energy defending uh, Kevin Durant. And last night he wasn't able to do that. And now you're in this position where if the Suns can win Game Four, if if it's at all similar to to what we saw last night, if Aaron Gordon has a, an off night and he goes three of thirteen again or whatever. Okay, well, then it's 2 2, and the Suns have won two games without Chris Paul, and they've won the most recent two games. And I'm not saying Denver's going to get scared or they're going to fold, but I mean, who are you picking at that point if it's a best of three and the Suns have won two in a row? I, I think most neutral people would be picking the Suns at that point. That's how big tomorrow's game is.
1: Do you remember there was one Durant bucket on the baseline where Gordon was pretty much on him from 14 feet and then Durant just took one extra dribble toward the baseline and Gordon was still draped all over him and it was an impossible shot and he made it anyway. Like that's, that's Kevin Durant the postseason. Like you have him covered, the job is done. And then he just takes one dribble to get like an inch of room. So you can't block the shot, but you can still contest it right in his face. It doesn't matter. He got it off and he's going to make it. And that's more of what, you can expect from him. Just one more thing before we go. I want to say this out loud. Um Devin Booker shooting 60% in the postseason and averaging 37 points a game. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> like, I, I, I breezed back past like, oh, yeah, his latest masterpiece, like all this kind of stuff, right? Like he's been absolutely incredible. And to the point of like effort and engagement to close, like another minutes game, Luke, like he played 42, Durant played 43. But we only have seen signs of fatigue, really, at the end of Game 2. And I'm not going to, like, rule it out at any point. Like, I'm just not going to sit here and say, like, he's going to run out of steam at some point. He surely has to. And Jokic, by the way, he's averaging 31, 17, and 9 in these three games so far and shooting 53% from the field. Jamal Murray averaging 25 a game. It's like we're seeing high, high high-level basketball right now from four guys. And I think that's more of – what I wanted to focus on here to close because I I think Sunday will once again be uh, Friday by default Luke, like all four of those guys played super well I I wonder who is like the first to kind of fold and you can kind of tell that I'm leaning towards Murray by default but if they if there's an off night for Booker or Durant or if there's an off night for Murray or Jokic I think the other team is quite obviously like in a supreme position tomorrow night do you agree?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And those four players you just mentioned, they combined for 148 points last night. I mean, <laughs> it, if if you weren't a Suns fan and you could just step back and watch this series and not really be emotionally invested, you're seeing some amazing basketball from the best players in the series. And and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, Jamal Murray is is kind of he had the really off game too. You know, he was he was basically it wasn't the only reason they won game 1, but he was certainly the catalyst. If he starts to crumble, Denver is absolutely in trouble. And, and just to go back to what you said on Booker, I, I, I want to ask you about this too, because you know, Wolf brings this up on the show a lot. He says, maybe we don't fully appreciate Devin Booker. And, and maybe there's, maybe, but I, I don't feel like that. I feel like in this city, fans really do truly appreciate Devin Booker because he was here through the bad times and you've kind of watched him grow up and a lot of Suns fans have grown up with him. Uh, but I do wonder, it's getting difficult to to truly gauge his greatness locally because you have the fans that, or hey, I'm a Suns fan. He was the best player in the NBA five years ago. Or you have the fans that are like, I'm a Suns fan, so I always assume somebody in another city is 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 better. Kellen, the numbers you just threw out for what he's doing in these playoffs, and and there are moments where this team looks like a two man team. I, I I'm not going to say we've never seen this before because that's not true, but this is like historic stuff. This isn't just hey, he's having a really good playoff, and it's him and Jimmy Butler and maybe one other guy. Like this is he's he's playing generational
1: basketball right now if he continues at this pace and they lose in the second round or they lose in the Western, like wherever it ends. But if he continues at this pace, it is going to be one of the greatest post seasons ever. And I, I think people are going to, people will shortchange it if they lose, of course, like the ones that qualify have to win the title. I found a list of, there's only been, I think six guys in league history now, seven, who have had 45 plus points in at least three different games in the, in the same postseason? and book was one of them. I went and looked and only two times did that guy win the title. So wow. there have been these types of performances before. Like one of them that came up, Allen Iverson came up and I, I didn't have to look at the year. Like, yeah, it's 2001 when he went to the finals. Like I, I saw it, like I watched that as a kid. Like I, I knew that was the year for him. Like th- we've seen this kind of before, but that's what it reminds me of. Like it's getting to the point where it's like, this is like Iverson in 01. This is like, the Jordan stuff that people tell me about, because again, I was four years old at the time I've gone back and watched a little bit of it, but people were there in real time. Um, and it, and it's like, it's kind of like the LeBron Durant stuff from five, six years ago. Like it's getting to that point where if he continues the rate the, the thought that I've had in my mind and the thing that I have in the back of my head to use um, later on, however their season kind of goes is what we're watching right now. Luke is him cementing himself as the best Phoenix son of all time. I don't know if people realize it's happening right now, but that's what's happening. Uh, I think we're going to leave this postseason and say not only is he the face of the franchise, which we've known for years, not only is this his team, which we've known for years. Like, no, he is the greatest Phoenix Sun of all time, and he's still got a long way to go. But this was like his stamp of like, not only am I in a way, in a way, it's kind of like the argument of when I when Kevin Durant got here, I wrote like Kevin Durant is now the best player to ever put on a Phoenix Suns jersey. uh, uh, I, I don't know. Now it's looking like it could be Kevin <laughs> Booker. I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy to say about Kevin freaking Durant. But at least the way that they've played and the and the levels that he's reached right now, that's the thing, Luke, is Durant is a top 12 player of all time. And I just made a statement that I don't think it's crazy that the way Booker's playing right now rivals the, the peak of any Durant season we've seen right now. Well it's- 37 and he's shooting 60% from the field.
0: And it's not, he's not Shaq, right? He's not some guy that's taking his shots from one foot away from the rim. You know, all due respect to Shaq, but I'm just saying, this is not a big man shooting 60%. Most of those shots are fadeaways, it feels like. And and we've gotten to the point now where he's taking shots last night, and it's not the only game in, in these playoffs where he's taking ridiculous shots and you just expect them to go in. And you could tell there were moments last night where everybody on the floor on both teams expected them to go in. And I'm sure that's demoralizing if you're Denver too, because the way Booker was playing last night I don't know that you can stop him, at least him individually. It's that it's that relentless pursuit that he has, Kellen, of constantly getting better. And he does it year to year. And he did it when nobody else outside the city was watching him. But he was already really good. And he's been doing it since they got to the finals two years ago. And who knows where he's going to go with this. I mean, the guy could easily play another 10, 12 years in this league. He can't keep getting better every year, right? That's
1: absurd. He uh, He might. He's my, I'm not willing to rule anything out anymore. I'm really not. Uh, (laughs) Luke, thank you so much for joining us. If you live under a rock, you're not a local uh, Valley fan. Luke is a part of the Wolf and Luke show. You can go on the Arizona sports app to listen to it live 10 to 2 uh, local time. You can listen from anywhere, by the way, which is a neat little feature that we have because people would always tweet me when I would join you guys show and be like, can I listen from so-and-so? Yes, you can. And 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 if you're not, you're not like a, a, a mid-afternoon sports talk person, but you're a sports talk person, just go on your podcast app. The Wolf and Luke hours are all there, all the shows, all the interviews, all the times that I'm on there, whatever you want to look for on there. They'll be there, and that's where you can listen to Luke uh, talk about how the Arizona Cardinals are going to do in 2023. Aren't you excited, Luke? I'm so fired up, and I would just add, even
0: if you hated me on this podcast, we're going to have Kellen on, so just listen to the podcast version of our show and just turn it down when I'm talking, and then turn it back up when Kellen's talking, and you still get the full experience.
1: Do not do that because we're going to have some epic Cardinals and D-back segments. When I fill in this summer, uh, the Cardinals <laughs> segments are going to be more demoralizing for me, but hopefully the D-back segments are going to be kind of uplifting. We'll see. Well, you, you uh, can talk about like Gabriel it. Moreno. He's getting hits again. Hey, good for him. That's, that's good to see. I, I like it when they, when they do that, as opposed to the other thing, that's not good yeah. at baseball, right? That That's the good stuff. Luke, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back Sunday night after game four. Well, we have a two, two series three, one going back to Denver. We're going to have to wait and see. We'll see you then.